the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today for Grounded and Growing in Christ here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Each weekday at this time, we open God's Word, exploring how it changes us and brings us closer to Him. Right now, we are in a message series called We Believe, focusing on the Gospel of John. All through this Gospel, John is driving us toward belief and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We hope and pray that as a result of this series, you will see new faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And if you'd like to help provide financial support for this radio ministry, you can make a gift of any size at that same website, groundedandgrowingradio.com. If you're not already a part of a local church family, then I would like to invite you to visit us at Orland Park CRC this Sunday as we gather to worship the Lord and study His Word together. To find our service times and location information, just visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now, let's open God's Word to see what He has for us today. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 14? We're going to work our way through the whole chapter this morning. We're going to be spending time uh, taking a look at Jesus in what's sometimes called the upper room discourse. As he talks to his disciples, as he approaches his death and then his resurrection, as he gives all manner of final instruction to these disciples whom he loves. And so let's give our attention to John chapter 14. I'm going to read the whole chapter. Let's remember as we hear this, this is God's word. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. This is Jesus talking. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long? And you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, Truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. 
And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me, because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I'm going away. And I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Doesn't it seem that it would be better... For Jesus to still be around. Don't you feel it would solve so much division if Jesus were here to be able to adjudicate disagreements that arise in churches across the world? Don't you think it would solve so much loneliness or fear if Jesus Christ were here and near to us? Don't you think it would be an antidote to political and institutional failure? Don't you think it would be the solution for church decline and sickness and death? I'm sure it would be. In this world, we have trouble. That's what Jesus says will be the case. And so it seems that this troublesome world would be far easier to bear if the God of all comfort would be here in the flesh along with us. The disciples seem to certainly feel as though it would be better for Jesus to stick around because as Jesus is talking to them in the upper room as they've celebrated the Last Supper together and as he has talked about his own death that is near at hand, the hearts of the disciples are troubled. We know that because Jesus has to speak to them once and then repeat again the same phrase. Don't let your hearts be troubled. He begins And he ends John 14 with all of this, speaking to a need that the disciples are experiencing and feeling. Jesus, who at this time is staring down his own crucifixion and death, is the one who is offering comfort and care and an antidote to trouble. What a glorious savior Jesus is, who demonstrates his goodness again here. In the context of his own death, caring about the trouble of his disciples, even as Jesus is deeply troubled in his own spirit, he speaks words of comfort to the disciples and as a loving and caring savior says, just don't let your hearts be troubled. Be at peace. 
And the way that he comforts his disciples is to assure them that though they are going to be parted, it's good for them that he is going away and that this distance and separation is temporary and he provides you and me the same comfort and assurance today. Don't let your heart be troubled as you face down decline or disease or death or distance or despair. Why? Well, Jesus gives the answer, and we're going to look into it. In the passage here, Jesus immediately gives the initial comfort to the disciples, and then he responds to all of the questions and the comments that are raised raised by his disciples once he gives to them that comfort. And he reminds us and his disciples of the comfort that we can have in his absence and why it actually might be better that he is with the Father. So let's start just talking about that comfort. So Jesus immediately gives the solution to a troubled heart to his disciples. Let not your heart be troubled. And then he just gives this twofold command. Trust in God. Trust in Jesus. Trust in God. Trust in Jesus. His command first demonstrates the identity and the relationship of God the Father and God the Son. Trust the Father, trust the Son, trust the two who are one. Jesus has been stressing throughout the Gospel of John that he is one with the Father. And now the dual nature of this command bring home this same reality once again. Jesus and the Father are one. Is your heart troubled? Trust in God. Trust in God the Father. Trust in God the Son. Trust those who are one. And this command is the solution to every burdened heart. And it's the message that we need to hear today. Are you weary, burdened, concerned with your present or your future? Feeling a failure or fearing separation? Trust God. Trust Christ. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian... You might be experiencing all manner of trouble in your life, and there can be healthy or unhealthy ways of experiencing it and addressing it. And I'd recommend, as a matter of wisdom to you, to go after those healthy ways of trying to address it, trying to avoid those unhealthy ways of addressing it. But let me tell you something that I was told by a... uh, by a former U.S. consul to Jerusalem, he had been appointed by Jimmy Carter in the 1970s. He had been serving as uh, the diplomat from the U.S. to Jerusalem, and he was somebody who came to faith in Jesus. And what he said was this. He said, what I came to realize as a diplomat working for the U.S. Foreign Service was that every problem is at its foundation a spiritual problem. And unless we can address that, we won't be able to address anything else. To anyone who's here who's not a Christian, let me humbly offer you that this is the only fundamental solution to your trouble. Trust Jesus. There won't be any sort of enduring help that you can find apart from that foundation. Trust Jesus. Is your heart troubled? Trust in Jesus. But maybe you're here and you're a Christian and you say, okay, well, I already trust God, but my heart is still troubled. There's got to be something more. I need some more advice here. And maybe we can admit that this command from Jesus isn't very specific. It's broad enough to work in every circumstance. Trust Jesus. All right, got it. Accomplished. What am I supposed to do now? 
Maybe we would have preferred for him to give us some more practical advice. Maybe we would have preferred for him to say, all right, you're going to be without me very soon. So what you're going to need to do is this, get enough sleep, cut out gluten, get out of toxic friendships, live your best life and you'll avoid trouble. Are you experiencing trouble? Let me give you those tips. If you can knock those out, that's going to be good until I come again. But he doesn't give anything that specific. He says, trust God, trust me. This is common wisdom or a common command in scripture, especially in the Psalms. In the context of a raging world, Psalm 46 verse 10 tells us, be still and know that I am God. Psalm 55 says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. Surrounded by a raging war, the psalmist in Psalm 91 says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And in the context of deep sorrow, Psalm 131 tells us, but I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, trust in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Trust God is the solution that's given again and again and again to chaos and disorder and destruction and sorrow. Trust God. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook, Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now, more from Pastor Derek in our series called We Believe. Focusing on the Gospel of John, we pray that as a result of this series, you will see new faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes the most pervasive and obvious wisdom is that which we can forget the most easily. Whenever you're in a situation where your heart is burdened, where your heart is troubled, where you are facing some sort of difficulty, your tendency is going to be to focus on that thing which is causing the trouble. If I can just direct all of my attention to that thing, I can make sure it doesn't expand at all. I can, by force of my own will and attention, try to restrict or constrict it enough so that it's always bearable. I'm going to keep it closed, keep it tight. I'm going to keep my attention on that thing. And one of the things that you can find is that in the midst of trouble, that which troubles your heart, as you focus your attention on that thing, you find that you have forgotten the one who is the relief of all of your trouble, that you've turned your eyes away from Christ Jesus. The problem with directing all of our energy and attention towards that which troubles us is that we forget the one who can provide relief. We focus our eyes on the waves and forget the one who alone can enable us to walk on water. And so are you troubled? Look to God. Trust in him. Trust Jesus. And then he gives a reason. He's going to prepare a place for his own and he will come back and receive us so that we will never be parted again. That's the reason that we should trust in him. He is going to prepare a place for us so that when he comes back, we will never be parted again. Jesus says that he's going to his 
father's house. That's heaven. He's going to heaven and he will prepare a place for us there. The provision there will be sufficient for us. He's going to make a space. He's going to make a room for us so that we will never be parted again. The promise is not that he's going to endure death for us and then go and, and once he's died and, and risen from the dead, he is then going to start preparing a place for us, that he's going to occupy his time in glory, fluffing the pillows in our room and dusting the bedsteads and tucking in the sheets and sweeping the floor. It's not that Jesus is saying, all right, I'm going to do all this stuff, then we're going to be part of it, and that's when I can start really airing out uh, the blankets in your room or something like that. Instead... The act of going, the act of the separation, is the act that's going to prepare a place. Jesus is going to leave them, and then they're going to flee from him, and then he'll walk the road to the cross, and they will be in despair, and then he will die and be buried, and they will lock themselves in a room, and he will rise again from the dead, and through all of this, he will be preparing a place for them. And because Christ Jesus has gone to the cross, because he has died for you, because he's been raised again from the dead on the third day and has gone to the right hand of the Father, because of all of that, you have, if you trust in Jesus, you have a place in heaven that cannot be taken away. It's through the going that he does the preparing. And because Jesus has died and has been raised again and is at the right hand of the Father, there is a place for you with God that no one can take away. And so let not your heart be troubled. You know the way to the place where he's going. Or at least that's what he says to his disciples. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas follows up. With what strikes me as a fair question, Thomas is like, well, actually, Jesus, we're not completely clear on all of that place where you're going sort of thing. So how can we know the way? All of Jesus' comments sort of elicit other comments from the disciples or other questions. This one seems to me to be reasonable. All right, you know the way to where I'm going, he says. And Thomas is like, hey, I got to just speak on behalf of my brothers here. We're not totally clear on that. Would you just make that clear to us so that we can have an idea about how to get where you're going? And just as the going is the preparing, so the one going is the way to go. Jesus says, he clarifies that he's going to the Father. Now this would have been the hope of the disciples as faithful Jewish believers simply to see God. This would have been their hope. Psalm 27 verse 4 says, One thing I've asked of the Lord that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. This is the hope of every faithful Jewish believer at this particular time just to dwell with God and see him. The prophet of Ezekiel closes his book with this exact hope. Ezekiel 48 verses 30 and following. It talks about when the Lord conquers and and makes all things new. This is what is going to be the case. It says, these shall be the exits of the city. It describes the new Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem. 
On the north side, which is to be 4,500 cubits by measure, three gates, the gates of Reuben, the gates of Judah, the gates of Levi, the gates of the city being named after the tribes of Israel. On the east side, which is to be 4,500 cubits, three gates, the gates of Joseph, the gates of Benjamin, the gates of Dan. On the south side, which is to be 4,500 cubits by measure, three gates, the gates of Simeon, the gates of Issachar, the gates of Zebulun on the west side which is to be 4,500 cubits, three gates, the gates of Gad, the gates of Asher, the gates of Naphtali. The circumference of the city shall be 18,000 cubits, and here's the important part, and the name of the city from that time on shall be the Lord is there. That's the hope. The Lord will be with you. Or maybe most famously, Some of the words that might be the most familiar to us in all of the Old Testament. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The enduring hope that is shot through the Old Testament is that the separation between humanity and God which comes into the world when the man and the woman sin and fall into sin, that this separation is going to be healed and restored and all who believe in God will finally be near him and see him. And Jesus said, that's where I'm going, to be with God, to be with the Father. And what's glorious, he says to his disciples, is that there's this goodness that defies and transcends description. To be able to see him, to be able to dwell with him. It's actually the goal of every human life. It's why you were created. To be able to see God, to be near him. And Jesus tells us that there's only one way for it to happen. You need to come through Jesus. He is the way, the truth, the life. He's not a way, your truth, a part of the good life. Jesus here lets us know that if you would like to experience the whole point and goal of your life, there's only one way to do it, and it's to come to Jesus in obedience and love. Because that separation which exists now because of sin between us and God, it can be healed only by one person, Jesus Christ. There's only one way, Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus came to bring us to the Father. And if you want to experience the purpose of your life, there's only one way to do it, through Jesus. The same hope of the people of Israel is the hope of every single Christian. As the Bible comes to a close, there is this expression of the same hope. In Revelation chapter 21 verse 3, we're told, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. And there's one way to experience that. Trust Jesus. And Philip recognizes that this is the hope of his life and says that it will be enough, it would be enough if Jesus simply shows them the Father. If you just show us the Father, that's enough for us, Philip says to Jesus. And to quote Dr. Carson, the response of Jesus is tinged with sadness as he responds to Philip. Philip, you know me this long and still you don't 
get it? You don't get the fact that I and the Father are one, that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You don't get that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. You're still not picking that up, Philip. Look at me. Philip by now should recognize the identity of Jesus. And so Jesus restates the matter for all of his disciples like Philip or you or me who are so slow to get it. Philip, I I am God. If the hope of your life is to see God, Philip, you've experienced that already. You see me, Jesus said. And then he says something that is astounding. And all those who trust in him, he encourages Philip to believe in him because he says, all those who trust in me will do greater things than I have done. What? What in the world? Does it mean that those who follow Jesus will be able to do greater acts of humility and love than Jesus? Maybe after Christ Jesus ascends into heaven and and sends the Holy Spirit, the church will be able to expand across the whole globe. It won't be confined to this one area, but it will spread across the whole thing. And there will be more of them because it won't just be three years. It will be thousands of years. Maybe Jesus could have said, you'll do more works than I've done. And he didn't say more. He said, you'll do greater works than I've done. Here's my thinking on it. That once Jesus dies and rises again from the dead and ascends to the right hand of the Father and sends the Holy Spirit. He ushers in a a new age, a new time, a new era where where things of the Lord God are even more clear and those who trust in Jesus receive the Holy Spirit. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This is Pastor Derek Bukema, and on behalf of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the gospel here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. If you're looking for a local church to call home, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, may God bless you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.